0: Working Class Audio is made possible by the support of Cali Audio, DistroKid, Sampley Audio, Audio Technica, Gearspace, and Grace Design.
1: This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 245.
0: Working Class Audio. Navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreaux.
1: Thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 245 you're listening to. My guest today is Steve Shady, a 24-year veteran of the recording industry who began his career as an intern at Willie Nelson's studio in 1995 and uh, quickly worked his way up the ladder. And now he continues to work for Willie Nelson and not as an intern, by the way, but uh, as the primary engineer. And he has worked with a ton of people, including Asleep at the Wheels, Super Suckers, George Strait, Casey Musgraves, Los Lonely Boys, Hilary Duff, Chris Christofferson, Old 97s, Izzy Stradlin. Yeah, he's got quite a few credits here that span the ages. And uh, he was introduced to me by our good friend Reed Shippen. So I want to thank Reed for that. Very much looking forward to having you take a listen to this. So, uh... Steve Shady, coming up here on the Working Class Audio podcast. Grab your coffee cups. Let's talk about never giving up. I don't know about you, but along my path in my career, I've had numerous obstacles, numerous setbacks, and there has been some times when I thought, maybe this just isn't the thing that I should be doing, or maybe I need to get a real job something to that effect. I'm sure you've had the conversation with yourself. I'm sure others have had the conversation with you. The crux of the conversation I'm about to have with you is never give up. If this is something you really love doing, never give up. You can be smart about this. You don't have to continue making mistakes. And I'm not telling you that all of my advice is going to prevent you from making mistakes because I'm sure plenty of you have made a lot of mistakes we can account for it but we we can't do anything about it moving forward first of all let's let's talk about conversations we have with others some people do not understand how one can have a passion for doing what we do they just don't get it and maybe that's a reflection of what they are experiencing in their world maybe they've got a job they don't really enjoy and to them it's just a job You know, it's just a way to make some money, and that is fine. There's plenty of room in this world for people to think that. But there's a lot of people in audio, and I count myself in this bunch, where it's just a passion. When you make money off of it, it's, I don't know, it's almost like found money to me. But the fact that people pay us to do this audio thing in any of the disciplines, and you know, what, you know what I mean by that. You know, game sound, film sound, studio sound, whatever you're doing. Audio, forensics, restoration. You probably enjoy this a lot. So the conversations that people might have with you, don't let that discourage you. If they're trying to talk you out of it, that's their reality. That doesn't have to be your reality, especially if you want to continue doing this. And, you know, maybe somebody has tried to sit you down and have one of those come to Jesus moments or something to that effect. And you just gotta stick to your guns. If you really are passionate about this, don't stop. And we'll get to a few of, of the things I recommend to not stop. Those of you in situations where maybe you're having some tension with your spouse over money, because money is, is a common reason many marriages break up. If you're in a situation like that, I think you owe it to your spouse to be transparent And if you've made mistakes, you need to own up to them. And you need to basically let them know, this is something I'm passionate about. And it's something that I want to focus on. And here is my solution. I'm going to diversify. I'm not going to, you know, take our family through the ups and the downs of the way the audio business and the music business and all of these businesses work in general, The, the business of the freelancer, really. And let them know what your clear plan is you're going to do the following audio gigs but you're also going to maybe do, you know, uh, this other side gig that is going to help out and this other side gig which is going to help out and that way you stabilize. You got to stabilize with with your spouses because your home life needs to be solid, pure and simple. We all know that you got to make some money to be responsible for yourself, be self-reliant and it's okay in the in the, of course in the spirit of diversity and in the spirit of survival more importantly if you got to go get a job to pay some bills and get rid of some debt do it that's fine but you don't have to stop doing audio and I've hammered the diversification message to you guys over and over and over again and we're coming up close to 5 years here I've been doing this I do not veer from that message at all diversify so if you're having a, a few bad months, uh, that's going to happen and you know, it's going to happen. And I'll, and I'm going to dive into that a little deeper here in a sec, but if you have, have had a couple bad months and things are just, you know, it's a make or break moment, you know what, stop for a little bit, go get yourself some, some money. If you got to do a part-time gig, if you want to do an Uber or a Lyft thing, or maybe there's a great opportunity to take a, a, a great job, do it. And build up your reserves and get back on track. And the diversification part of this equation is so important because you're not always going to be able to make a consistent income from audio. If you are, more power to you. But it doesn't always work that way. There have been numerous months where I don't have any mixing or mastering work coming in. I haven't recorded in a while. And all of a sudden, it just hits all at once and you're juggling. So. The diversification method works because when you're having some dry months, the other gigs keep you flush. They keep your emergency fund in place so you don't have any, you know, freak out moments of going to the credit card to replace your tires. If you need all four tires replaced, those of us who have driven four-wheel drive vehicles and you, you know, run over a nail and, you know, you can't get one tire in that bunch. You got to have them all equal have the different income streams happening for you guys. Don't be so stubborn here. You know, if you can make a little extra money uh, doing a side gig, whether it's in audio or not, do it because you can build up for, uh, like I said, emergency fund, retirement savings, having several months worth of money in the bank to cover yourself is a great thing and it takes a lot of pressure off. So. It's not always gonna be sunshine and flowers in this business, and you've gotta know that by now. You've gotta know that there's gonna be some disappointing days and you just have to keep your head up, your eyes forward, and you have to focus. And you have to dismiss all the BS coming your way, all the negative stuff coming your way. You just gotta stay focused, stay on track. I'm gonna say it again, I'm not trying to demonize Facebook here, but I gotta tell you guys, the, the more time I spend away from Facebook, the better I feel. And I focus on the things that matter to me that move my own career and my own family's well-being forward. So think it through. If you don't enjoy this and you're ready to get out, that's up to you and I'm, there's no judgment there. But if you wanna stay in this, I want you to stay in it too. And you gotta be in it to win it. So you gotta focus and you gotta just dismiss all the BS. Stick with it, my friends. Stick with it. Never give up. Persevere. You know, if you get enjoyment out of this, then this will totally make sense to you. Hit me up on LinkedIn or send me an email, Matt at workingclassaudio.com. Happy to have a chat with you and uh, give you a little pep talk. Yeah. Let's get down to it. Steve Shady here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for for making time for me. Well, thanks for having me. You are talking to us from Texas. Where in Texas are you at? Just north of Dallas and
0: Denton. I lead a two-city life. I work and primarily live in Austin, but I have family and girlfriend up here, so I go back and forth.
1: Interesting. Where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in Dallas from the age of 10 on. I'm 51 now. Before that, I grew up in
1: Boston, Mass., but you wouldn't know it by my accent. (laughs) I would never <laughs> guess that. Well, let's start with right now as far as what your day-to-day is like. What what do you call yourself, producer engineer and what's your primary role day-to-day? I Prefer to engineer. I've produced records. I'm not a producer that likes to
0: put a stamp on things. I just keep the ball rolling and facilitate what the artist is trying to achieve. Mm. You know, make make it easy, try to be invisible and put my two cents in when I think it's going completely south. But I prefer to <laughs> I prefer to engineer, man. I like twiddling knobs and buttons and faders. So
1: now you have pretty high profile client as you were introduced to me, I think maybe it was Reed Shippen that said this is Steve. He works for Willie Nelson. You should talk to him.
0: <laughs> Sounds like Reed. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. I've been working for Willie
0: since 95. Worked under a guy named Larry Greenhill for eight years, and then he, he split. I've been the longest running engineer there now for 24 years. How does one become the engineer for Willie Nelson? Well, I fell into that gig. That was completely on accident. I was living in Denton studying music. They've got one of the best music schools in the nation, actually in in the whole world. I mean, it's top 10. And I was studying music here and I got burned out. So I went to San Marcos, which is 30 miles south of Austin. And I was just looking for a program that was not studying music that would take all my music hours. And they had an engineering program just starting. I was like, sure, I'll do that. Start gigging again after that. And one of the guys that worked at that school used to work at Willie's and got me an internship there and I never left. Wow. And what do you do for an internship at Willie Nelson's? Well, they had never had an intern before. So, I mean, the internship was supposed to be six weeks. It was six months before I went and asked for some money. <laughs> but I basically, you know, changed reels. I mean, you do a little cleanup. It's pretty chill there. You know, it's not really, it's way out in the country. It's it's not like super spotless clean and all that stuff. I mean, it's clean, but it's not, it's not high profile in that it's hidden. We keep it hidden. Wow. You know, clean the bathroom, change reels of tape, run to stores, run to, you know, it's about 30 miles west of town. So, running to the store entailed a 30 minute
1: drive at least. So, a lunch run is going to be a big lunch run.
0: Yeah. At the time, it's now all been, you know, gentrified and there's a bunch of sh- shops out there. Now, at that time, there were three or four places and everything was fried. So, if you didn't want something fried, you had to go into town. <laughs> it's lake, it's, it's on a lake. It's a lake scene, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool. It is cool, man, and it's a good place to go if you don't want to be bothered while you're If you want a bunch of activity and clubs to go to, stay in town. I like it out there, you know.
1: Pretty relaxed atmosphere I would imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good word for it.
1: <laughs> so, how did you rise up to become Willie's main guy? Man, I'm
0: very I'm driven, you know, but not to the point of like gig snagging or anything like that. I just did what you're supposed to do and learn from Larry and learned from other guys coming through and just didn't ask too many questions. Instead of asking questions, I've traced the lines on the patch bay or looked, I just kept my eyes and ears open, and Larry got burned out and he left. That's how it works. Someone leaves or drops dead <laughs> and you move up. And I faked my way through a bunch of records until I figured out what I was doing for real. You know, it's one thing to watch and help somebody and the other another thing to just be thrown in my first record was lonely boy's heaven and i just i did it i managed to do it you know it's like yeah i can do that wow <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah and those guys are cool everybody's pretty you know i've been very fortunate I, later on I've, i ran into a bunch of not nice people but in the beginning everybody was pretty chilled out little grace there <laughs>
1: well so let's let's go far back growing up you say you grew up in Dallas.
0: Yeah, primarily. I don't I wouldn't use grow up. That's using the term loosely. I'm still not grown up. <laughs> you were you were raised in in <laughs> Dallas, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I lived there from 78 to 91 and then moved down to San Marcos and then ultimately Austin.
1: Okay. When you were growing up or when you were being raised as we said, were you interested in recording technology at any point as as a young man? I
0: was interested in gear and, and, you know, I'm a product of the late 80s and 90s as far as, you know, rocking out. Pantera was around us, all that, just hard. I never thought I'd be doing country music, man, I'll tell you that. And yeah, I mean, I I still, I'm super OCD. So I'd I'd get gear, I'd dress it out, it would all work one button, six amps, three amps, two amps, boom, 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 all that kind of, you know, nerdy stuff. So yeah, I guess technically, Nothing really, you know, it's simple. In goes to out. Everything makes sense in my mind. So I had that down. And then musically, there was a guitar teacher, Jerry Branch, He went to school up here in North Texas. And he just, he went out and told my parents after guitar lessons one time. I was in high school. He goes, man, this guy should do music, something with music. And just a positive environment. Yeah, go do music. Not, oh, the music business sucks. You'll never make it in that. It was just (laughs) everybody was behind it. Parents, everybody.
1: Mentors growing up. Anybody in particular that really affected you in a good way?
0: Yeah, well, Jerry, of course, did. And then, believe it or not, I had an English teacher in seventh grade who was really hip, man. She gave me Hendrix tapes, and she knew I played guitar, and she gave me Hendrix tapes and just anything from Moody Blue, all this hippie stuff. She was just an old hippie. And, man, I looked her up about 6 years 7 years ago I actually found her and and I just found Jerry again a couple nights ago I went to a gig and searched out these people to let them know hey you were really influential like the first time I heard Hendrix I was like what is this man you're 13 you're sitting there going holy shit this is great so I found her thanked her found Jerry I'm actually going to be remain in contact with him and yeah Jerry Miss Mills, or which she insisted on, you got to call me Lana now, <laughs> which was still weird after 30 years. I'm like, okay, Miss Mills. So uh, those two, my parents, my stepdad always played guitar. He still plays guitar. He's 75. Is in a rock band. He always played bluegrass. So he's in a rock band now. It's fun to watch him plug into something simple, you know, like a delay or something. Go, God, check this out, man. I'm like, yeah. Look, if you do this, what happens? You know, if you do your volume and go, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, <laughs> he goes, "Wow, that's crazy!" You know, it's like teaching. I like to teach because what's what is not—I don't want to say boring—but familiar to you becomes instantly like, "Oh, that just—I like got to show this dude how to uh, this intern how to gate some room." I'm like, okay, big deal, gate him, pop trigger off the snare, and his eyes just got huge, and I just—I realized he just figured out how people did what he's been listening to on whatever records he knows that sound from. And it became interesting to me again. I said, oh, yeah, plug it in, trigger, boom, snap, okay. All of a sudden it was like, ah, somebody else knows it's cool now, you know? So you forget about that stuff.
1: Isn't that funny how oh, some of this stuff just becomes like, we, we become so jaded and we just think, oh, yeah, it's gated room. Like you say, do this, you do that, this is how you make it. No big deal. Yeah. But to somebody learning, it's just like, it is mind-blowing. And I wonder why we become the way we do. Why, why do we get like that? Why do we just go, oh, yeah, whatever?
0: I don't know. It's like, do you remember the old Eddie Murphy Ross skit when he's talking about <laughs> if you're eating crackers and, and somebody has a Ritz, you're like, oh, that's a Ritz. That's a Ritz. And then you get a Ritz cracker, you're like, oh, that old thing? It's, it's a bit he did back on, I guess, one of the early ones, Delirious or something. It's like the Ritz becomes a saltine after a while, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're right. That's what it. That's what <laughs> happens. But it, it's nice when we can kind of get a, a new appreciation for this stuff when we teach somebody how to yeah. do it. And then we go, oh, yeah, that is kind of cool. It's totally, I mean, I don't understand. There's a mentality,
0: I don't know if it's everywhere, but I run into often that people want to keep stuff a secret. And I'm like, why? I even encountered that coming up, which is why I started tracing patch bait cables and going, oh, it's not rocket science. Oh, I see what he's doing. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to pass this on, see the light light up in someone else's eyes and see what they can do and probably end up learning something from them because their brain's different so if you give the same guitar and amp to three or four guys you're going to get three or four different things and none of them is threatening to me you know there's there's no threat it's like teach a brother how to do
1: this and then he might teach you something you know it's funny you say that you're giving the guitar and amp to three different guys and you get three different results when i was at mix with the masters with chad blake everybody in that all the guys i was there with they kept writing stuff down every time a plugin would come up on the screen Chad would pull it up and everybody in the room would start writing it down and then he'd pull it down and they'd say, oh no, no, can you bring that plugin back up? And Chad would turn around and go, guys, I don't know why you're writing these settings down because that's not going to work for you. It's so unique. And like you say, different mindsets, different brains getting different results. Yeah. I was lucky that
0: we used to have a Neve 8024 over to the side and then an SSL in the front. And it was so dark where that Neve was, I could never see the numbers. So I just turned and clicked and turned until it sounded good. Now we have a 5088 where I can... I can see that there are numbers there, but I'm so blind now. I still can't read the numbers, so I, I don't really know what I'm doing, man. I just, to the left is low, to the right is high, boost it, cut it. You just kind of <laughs> dial in, you know? So I see guys that have been doing it. I was just in this a new studio, and this dude has been doing this 20 years. He's writing down my settings. I'm like, you know better than that, man. I've heard your shit. It's as good as mine. What are you doing, man? He's like, oh no, He's checking it out.
1: Yeah. I think maybe people are just looking for a leg up. They're looking for some secret sauce that that they think is going to apply to them. And its I think their heart's in the right place. I just think it's a little bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. I never wrote
0: any... I, I write stuff down because my thing about putting stuff on a legal pad, People, everybody laughs at me at the studio, all these kids that come in. I'm like, I've never seen a legal pad crash, dude. So when you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, I'm going to pull out my legal pad. I, I entered on the computer, but I always got it there too. But having said that, I never wrote down anyone's settings. I just kind of followed, like I said, followed the wires and saw what they were going through. And then went in there and faked my way through enough stuff until I figured out, oh, there it is. That's it. <laughs> so
1: You know, I'm a I'm a firm believer that we all really learn from our mistakes. I'm wondering if there's any out-of-the-ordinary mistakes or specific mistakes you've made along the way that to this day you look back and go, oh, I remember when I did that. And boy, did I get in trouble or did I learn this? or So going back even to your teenage years, like, is there anything along your path that you've done where you've really screwed it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean audio
0: wise just over committing to stuff i know what i want now so i do it to tape so to speak or to the computer but before i would just do it and then later on the, the band would want something else or i would want something else over compressing or whatnot and you'd be like oh I'm stuck here. You know, I'm crushed. I can't uncrush. Where's the uncrush button? But yeah, life, I don't learn anything until I beat my head against it for at least a week. (laughs) This isn't working. I'm stubborn, man. (laughs) Anything that sticks out that you hold on to to this day? Wow. Yeah, I'm sure. Let me think about that for a second. I guess just thinking in general, thinking I've got this, you know, I never think that anymore. You never have it. As soon as you start thinking you have it, you lose it. When you have it is when you're not thinking about it. Does that make sense, or is that too wishy washy? No, no, that's
1: no. <laughs> I I agree. When you're so cocky,
0: yeah, and and then just I hate to say it, but relying on. I mean, I I, I have faith in humanity, but I have no more faith in anyone than myself. So letting other people take the ball that you should be carrying yourself. That sounds terrible, like I'm a misanthrope or something. It's not like that, though. It's just like, you know, cover your ass
1: by doing it yourself. <laughs> right. Well, you mentioned you've met some not so nice people at some points, and I'm curious how you've dealt with that. Man, you just, it just
0: depends on the situation, but usually I do the best I can to achieve what they want and don't get in the way. Burton Alice used to be a commercial facility and we were just running them. God, I worked 90 days in a row, 12 hours a day, one, one run. It's just, and everybody's different. So I would just say, try and figure out where is this guy's insecurities that he's such a dick and then don't bust in on that door. Just stay away from that. And I would try and read somebody and
1: accommodate without pandering. And
0: then also mm. if something's impossible, just say, man, it's just
1: not going to happen, you know? I really like that. Accommodate without pandering. <laughs> Sounds like an album title. Accommodate without pandering.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of metal with my buddy for 35 years of
1: staying with me right now, so we've been just
0: rocking out.
1: <laughs> what are some of the things that you've learned from the artists that you've worked with, whether it's Willie or or anybody else? Have they opened your eyes to some kind of obvious things or even not so obvious things in in the process of recording and making records? Yeah.
0: The studio is a very insecure place for musicians in general. And the, the more of a jerk someone is, the more insecure they probably are because... For example, every now and then someone will put me on this other side of the glass and go, hey, man, play this or sing this, because I'll be singing it over the talkback or whatever. And they're like, hey, you're doing it. Why don't you come out here? And then all of a sudden, you're on the other side. You're in the fish bowl, as I say. And I'm like, I don't like being the fish. I like looking at the fish. So you got to realize these people, are, no matter how famous they are, for the most part, they're bearing their music to you, their soul or whatever, however you want to put it. For the first time you might be the first or second maybe third person that's hearing that and they don't know if it's good or not yet i mean with willie it's a different thing but you know for the most part everybody is a person we all have the same feelings and it's an insecure place and you need to just be invisible and let things pan out and let it run its course you know don't I don't like when people start interjecting and, and let let the dude suss it out himself and make them comfortable by really usually not being seen that's that's what I do I don't know what other people do yeah
1: give them the freedom not to have to pander to you being yeah a, because I guess if you're interjecting then they feel a sense of like oh i better do it to make him happy or
0: yeah or you're an audience all of a sudden and they might not go out on a limb or something i worked for 14 years with andy johns and i loved that guy but boy he would just he would just piss people off man sometimes that got a result a really great result but a lot of times it didn't it just shut people down I miss Andy. He was a good dude. Tell me about that. How did how did you come into that relationship? I work with another band that's associated with Willie called Titty Bingo out of Houston. And it's, it's a guy that, how do I put it? The band has been around for 35 years and I've been with them 20. There are no limits. So Andy Johns got called to produce one year and he came back for 14 years and... Yeah, you know, I just bonded with the dude. At first I thought he was a complete dick and then we, we actually bonded after a while, spent a lot of time together. He's a good <laughs> dude. But I just understood that he's not trying to be a dick. It's just the way he is. Where do you go when you work with Hendrix at nineteen and move on up from there? And then all of a sudden, boom, it's done. You never know when it's gonna end.
1: <laughs> That's right. I'm sure I'm sure you learned a few life lessons from him.
0: I did. And I I miss him, and I'm not speaking poorly of him when I say he was a dick. I just I'm a dick sometimes, you know. It's just that's just who he was. He was very forward. I guess saying he's a dick's not good, but he's just. It was just if you're not gonna fucking play it this way, we're just done. We're done. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> it's 50 of the time that would work, and 50 it would not. Cri- <laughs> Cringe worthy moments with Andy Johns. <laughs> Yeah, I got some stuff for chapters of him
1: in the book when when I
0: don't need to work anymore, though. That book's not coming out for a while.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The tell-all book when when you're in your, like, 80s or 90s. God, help me if I live that long, man. (laughs) Well, who else have you worked with on that level?
0: Oh, man, I don't know. John Porter, producer-wise, the guy, there's the a lot of times people come in for a couple hours for, for Willie, and mm-hmm. I don't even remember who they are. That's another thing. I was never the kid that was looking at the producers. Like My friend Jacob Skiba, he does Gary Clark Jr.'s records. He knows everything. This was produced by that guy, engineered by this, this, is. I'm like, I was always looking at who played the instruments and playing the music. A lot of times I won't know anybody, and that behooves me, and then later I'll look them up and go, oh, shit. Maybe I wouldn't have acted so chill or whatever. You know, you just don't know how you're going to react to somebody, you know. If you know they've done a lot of stuff or they're huge. I may even react adversely to that. think, oh, this guy thinks he's great. You know, fuck him. But I just yeah. don't know who anybody is, which sometimes is great. And a lot of times it's like, eh, you need to get out of this bubble, dude. <laughs> so I couldn't tell you half the people I work with. But the big ones are Andy, John Porter was great. I mean, I got to work with the first day on the job. I got to work with the Beach Boys, all the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. And that, that was my first day. I went to intern, did a local a local band, and the office called me and said, could you stay there? Willie was, is going to sing on a tribute album. He sang Warmth of the Sun on a Beach Boys album where everybody else sang the songs. I was like, yeah, that's great. Get to meet Willie. And they all walked in. I was like, holy shit. So Brian Wilson was a piece of work, too, man. That was cool. Wow. Robert Carranza. Man, lots of guys. I left most of my brain in the 90s, so, you know, (laughs) I can't remember too
1: much. (laughs) I'm sure working with Willie, you just, I mean, he must attract everybody. Everybody wants to meet Willie Nelson. Yeah, that goes back to that lesson thing
0: I meant to mention this. I mean, of course, I knew who Willie Nelson was. And early on, I went to... They invited me up to the house on Thanksgiving, and we were down in the studio. I went up there a little after everybody split, and I walked in, and he had already eaten. He was watching a football game and riding the exercise bicycle in his sweatpants and a t-shirt. And I was like, "Oh, he's just a dude who had Thanksgiving dinner and he's working it off, you know." So I just always treated him. I don't know. It's weird, you know. He's a mega star or whatever you want to call it, but to me, it's it's Willie. Like, hey, dude, what's up? Come on in. Yeah, we're ready to go. Let's go.
1: And people are losing their minds around you. It's like, man, relax. He's a dude. (laughs) Yeah. Growing up, I grew up in Southern New Mexico and I have such distinct memories of the adults around me listening to The Redheaded Stranger. And that was, as a kid, that was my introduction to Willie Nelson. And like from that moment on, Even though I have always primarily been a rock guy, I've always had this love of Willie Nelson. And, you know, I'm not going to say everything he's done has been, has the same significance to me. But, man, just that that voice, I hear it and I just go, ah, Willie, all right
0: yeah man he has brought me to tears as recently as two years ago you know just like i'm not a much of a crier and i was just sitting there going <laughs> on that song um it's just something you get through it's not something you get over it's something you get through
1: i don't i can't think of that one
0: yeah i can't i couldn't it might be on last man standing uh, or the one before that i don't even know how many records i've done when they just come through the door and sometimes they're going we're going on two at a time You know, I don't always do the band. A lot of times it comes from Nashville, and we sing and do the vocal, Trigger, and Mickey.
1: I I just have to stop you for a sec, because for the audience, when we say Trigger, we're talking about Willie's guitar.
0: Yes. Which I never thought about that much. So like everybody's I'll come in the studio and everybody's standing around looking at it. If Tom Tom Hawkins is guitar tech for thirty some odd years, maybe forty. Sometimes he can't be there because willie would just be like, I wanna go in. All right, let's go. Well, I walk in and nobody's they're all looking at it in the case. Nobody's touching it. I'm like, Oh, we gotta tune this thing. Let's go. And then later i look at a picture my girlfriend took and I'm like, Oh, that's you're with Trigger. He's like, that's going to be in the Smithsonian. And for a second, you're like, that's cool. Then you move on down the line, do what you need to do.
1: Yeah, you're right. That will be in the Smithsonian. I mean, that that is a just a special treasure into itself. Yeah, that's done. It's going to the Smithsonian. Oh, I, I was speculating. You're telling me that's for sure. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. And it's also interesting in time that I just realized it. My wife and I are actually going to go see Willie. I think it's in October down in down from San Francisco south of San Francisco. I can't remember what town we're gonna be in. But it's probably gonna be, I don't know, maybe the fifth, maybe the sixth time I've seen him live. Okay. And there's only I think Willie and Tom Petty are two artists I have seen the most. And I, I don't know why it's turned out that way, but hey, just every few years you gotta make the pilgrimage and go see a Willie show and and see what he's up to.
0: Yeah, it's always amazing to go because I'm usually to the side of the stage with Annie, his wife, and I look out to the crowd. I'm like, wow, every one of these people are just—they just love this man. I forget, you know, I'm—I was a kid when I started, and it's just all so normal to me. The abnormal world this willy world is normal to me. I don't think I could function in a regular world. <laughs> I'm just I—I like, I go to bed at between four and six in the morning, and I get up at morning in the afternoon by the time i get out it's three and then i do what i do and everybody's like that's crazy i'm like no it's not it's crazy to sit in traffic and heat and have to deal with all this crap man so everybody thinks i'm insane but, but i'm really not
1: <laughs> hey our friends over at distro kid have created the distro kid app for android which allows you to do some key things such as Check your stats from Apple and Spotify, edit release metadata, upload new releases, and a host of other features. And remember, WCA listeners get 30% off your first year at DistroKid. And if you just head on over to WorkingClassaudio.com slash WCA30, you can follow the link, get your 30% off, and be off to the races. So check our friends out at DistroKid and make sure and get your 30% off by going to WorkingClassaudio.com slash WCA30. So I want to ask you about this, your survival over the years. It, has that been easy? Has it been a challenge? What have been the struggles for you just surviving as an audio professional?
0: Oh, well, that's, uh, you know, the work came just because that's something I'm dealing with now, actually. But the work just always came. And when Pertinalis stopped being a commercial facility, I mean, we, we'll I can still bring bands in there, but it's not it's not running commercially if i want to bring a band in there that's fine but that got lean for a while i was eating some ramen noodles man you know? <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago but i just kind of just you know this isn't over it's only over if you want it to be over so i started getting off my ass and going out to clubs and doing things that's what i'm doing in denton there's a music school here it's one of the best in the world I want to get back to doing young bands. I don't want to say that just that haven't been out there making it yet. I've done all that. I've got lots of shiny metal objects. I don't need any more accolades. I just want to have fun again. And for 51, I'm like a big kid. I'm just a big kid. And I want to go have fun and do what what I can for people that don't have a lot of money. So it got lean and then it got better. I'll put it that way. It's better. It's really good now. Even though I'm doing a lot less, there's a lot more coming in.
1: As far as money goes, do you find that, are you a saver or do you spend everything that comes in? How do you deal with with money in general? What's your philosophy?
0: Well, now that my daughter's 19 and I'm not married anymore, I live like a squirrel. (laughs) I just put it in the bank because like I said, you never know when it's done. Now, I don't live like that to the point of depriving myself of anything. I got lots of nice gear if I want to take my girl out, and get her nice stuff, that's fine, but I was just raised that way. I mean, I was just raised not to waste money. Yeah. I buy useful stuff. <laughs> so, I put it in the bank, man, cuz you know, I want to retire someday. Yeah. Yeah, people don't think about that. I see these Kids, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of them get a, make a lot of money and they don't have any money. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You're not on blow. So where's your money, man? Where is all <laughs> you know? the money going for these people? What's going on, dude? <laughs> I mean, I don't say that. That's the little squirrel in my head talking. I'm like, what the hell is this guy up to? It's clothes, expensive meals all the time, eating out.
1: I just, I eat cereal and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I know. I've, uh, my kids laugh at me. You eat cereal a lot, dad. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast. It does the job, and I love it. Yeah. So I spoil
0: some people in my life that I, I love, but I, I don't spoil myself, and I don't need to be spoiled. I've got 10 Dickie shirts, 10 Dickie shorts, 10 Nike socks, and four pair of Skechers, and I that's what I wear. And when they wear out, I get on Amazon, and I get 10 more. <laughs> I look like I'm in the same shit every day.
1: Well, you know, that's funny you say that. I always remember in my 20s, I was on this record label as as a drummer in a band, and Henry Rollins was also on that same label. And for a while, I was really kind of clued into what Henry Rollins was doing. And one of the things that he is known for is just when he tours, he has basically, like you said, just a few pairs of the same thing, shorts, socks, shirts, all the same color, all the same same type. And you know, he can live out of a very small bag.
0: That's me. I can be up and out of here after I close the lid on this computer in about 15 minutes, man, and gone wherever.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting on the on the gear front, do you have a way that you deal in buying gear as far as we all have gone through well, and some of us are still going through gear, gear lust mode where it's just we spend our time looking through eBay and Reverb and gear sluts and, and everything else and, and spending our money before we've made it. What's your thought on gear and buying it? I buy
0: very useful stuff, Swiss Army Knife kind of stuff. I don't have any crazy glamorous things, you know, tube tags, distressors, LA-2As, LA-3As, just meat and potatoes stuff that works. And I used to use it a lot more when I had a studio in my house, but I haven't owned a house in five years. So I just got this new house. So I imagine it's going to be set up, and I'm going to start spending more again. But I just buy stuff that I know works and that I've tested out on other people's dime at their studio at other studios. Mm-hmm. And I I don't ever really have buyer's remorse because. I think about something for a year, and then I get it. This is good. Get it. You need one of these, so when you go somewhere that doesn't have it, you have it.
1: Do you tend to buy used, or do you like to buy new?
0: I don't mind buying used. I mean, I know enough guys that fix stuff and have scopes and half a brain, and they can work it out, you know, so. (laughs) Dude, can you work on this? I just bought a new Allen Smart Compressor, though, because, I don't know, it was was about the same as a used one. I'll, I'll look at that. If there's three or four hundred dollars difference i'll get the new thing unless it's a piece of vintage gear and i want an old one but i don't have any problem buying used gear especially with the policies people have reverb or ebay it's kind of hard to get screwed unless you just buy it and don't use it for six months and then decide to plug it in
1: have you ever been compelled to open your own studio yeah
0: I, i dig the house thing man You know, I like making records in houses. A commercial studio, that's that's like a swimming pool or a boat, man. You just pour water into the swimming pool and it evaporates, pour water into the swimming pool and it evaporates. Or the boat, what do they say? It's a hole in the water into which you pour money. Yeah. I'd rather have some really solid gear and a good house. And man, you can make or buy. I got to deal with panel companies. You can make a damn good record in a house with really like non-destructive treatment i don't need to look through a double pane window to look at you while you're playing i don't even want to see you i don't want you seeing me because then we're separate and you're not vibing on me and i could be checking my email when you get boring no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i love the window at willie's place it's it's low, so if you're standing next to it, it's about up at your moob, you know? So if everybody's like, why is that like that? It's like, because people can't see in, man. You can see them, you know, as much as you need to, to know if they're in the room. But unless you're sitting down, there's no eye contact.
1: Yeah, I've had a couple friends come to me recently talking about building uh, commercial studios. And, you know, it's I, I, they're smart people, and I can think of a million reasons for them to do it but I can also think of a million reasons for them not to do it and I like your concept of of a house because a house yeah. is it's I mean if you buy a commercial property that's real estate but if you buy a house that's an easy sell because people always need a place to live
0: Right, and don't be cutting holes and putting windows in. You don't, you don't really need to. I mean, that's why when I went to Nashville and went to Sputnik and Reed's place, Robot Lemon, I was like, oh, this is what I was doing on a much lesser scale. Because I mean, the market in Austin is not what it is in Nashville. I was like, yeah, okay, so this is cool. You know, I didn't know I'm making records in houses. You know, do people do that? Yeah, I guess they do. (laughs) You know, you can rent an Airbnb and do it, man. Now you can't really stuff into the walls or whatnot but before i you look at the budget what's what have budgets gone to you know pretty small man you can rent an airbnb for a week and get in there do some pre-production not in that paid for place and get in there and hammer it out let's go
1: yeah i don't know if i would ever do a metal band in an airbnb (laughs) no depends (laughs) on where it was You know, like like somewhere out in the middle of like Montana or something, maybe. Right. I like this house I just
0: got from my sister. It's got enclosed rooms, meaning the room is in the center, so I can really crank it in here, and the neighbors aren't going to hear it. It's got to go through two halls, you know, two layers of house, and then outside.
1: About a year and a half ago, I signed up for Sampley.app. There's also Dropbox integration, which allows me to quickly create a folder in my Dropbox, which automatically syncs with Samply, makes it much more simple. You should check it out for yourself. Sampley.app. Check it out. Now, let me ask you this. You just mentioned briefly comparing Nashville and Austin. What's the music ecosystem like or the recording ecosystem like in Texas in general? I mean, all I really know is Austin as far as the recording
0: scene. From what I see, there's there's some pretty nice places I've been poking around in Dallas. Denton, I don't know about. But there's a lot of small studios Austin has a few big studios that are properly constructed and floated floors and all that, but it's hard – Again, the budgets, man. To convince a band to give a, a studio a thousand bucks a day here in Austin is hard, which is ridiculous because you pay your plumber 90 bucks to just walk in, show you his ass crack, and tell you you're going to spend another 500. But you don't want to spend a thousand bucks a day making a record. That's not a lot of money to me in my mind, but I don't know what they're getting in Nashville, but it's hard to make a buck in Austin.
1: And that, and that must be difficult because, in general, when you're working with higher profile people like Willie, and you're used to a particular level of how things are done and what things cost and how people are paid, and then you go work with somebody who's not well-known, everything kind of drops down to a different level entirely, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. I don't have a problem compromising my rate if it's the right people, but if you come at me right away going, what's your rate, can you come down on that? I always ask people, do you go to the grocery store and put a hundred bucks worth of groceries in your cart and give them 75 at the register? Well then don't do that to me. You know, I'm apt to give you a break, but not if you assume I'm going to do it. I guess that's kind of the New Jersey in me. I was born in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now I understand. That's what everybody says. Oh, that's where that inner asshole comes from. I'm like, hey, <laughs> what are you talking
1: about? You got you, you do have a little. You said Boston earlier too, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the you got ice got a cube Boston. within the ice
0: cube. You,
1: you got a little New Jersey, a little, little, little Massachusetts. So, when you're getting work these days, what is your method of doing that when it comes to new people? Because Some of the new people, I mean, everybody, I think everybody, for the most part, knows who Willie Nelson is, for the most part. There's some younger people that might not. But that said, how do you go about getting work with people in general?
0: Well, again, that's all new territory for me, but I'm being encouraged to go do that, and I'm enjoying it. First of all, I don't bust in going, I'm Willie Nelson's engineer, because that's not not really going (laughs) to make me a good engineer, you know. I, I talk to people, I show genuine interest. What are you trying to do? What do you know I don't go right into I'm Willie's engineer how much money you got that's that's <laughs> what is that I'm really in it for the music always have been but there was a time when you had to when you're eating that ramen noodles and you can't be in it for the music you got to make some money and pay the mortgage <laughs> so I just go in and talk to people like they like they're important you know everybody has intrinsic value and worth don't bust in there thinking your shit is ice cream cuz you work for Willie Nelson go talk to somebody I hate when I'm with somebody and the first thing they say is oh this Willie his engineer the whole dynamic for the rest of the night changes now that's appropriate in some settings like at the parties we met at and stuff but you know when you're trying to hang out then the rest of the evening's all willy all night and then inevitably <laughs> they want to get in the show and it's just like dude you just ruined the evening for me thanks so I approach back to the question I approach bands and I was like hey what's going on you know I really like your band if I don't like them I don't approach them and I just start letting them tell me about them and see if they want to make a record or not. And then you, then you work with their budget or I do, I shouldn't say you, but I work with their budget because that's how you work, keep working in, in Texas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed a change in budgets going up at all as tech industry has moved into Texas, into places like Austin and Dallas? Well, the facility, the two facilities
0: I've been working out of primarily for the last 24 years are Willie's and his nephews, Arlen Studios. And people come from out of state or people with with money go there. It's, they're bigger places. So everyone's always had enough money, but it's they're less willing to spend it. But yeah, instead of 200, it went from like 250, 300, sometimes 500 grand to we got 50 grand or we've got 10 grand. I made a lot of 10 grand records, but the way I do it is, I work it so I go to, I got deals with studios. I got deals with rental companies. I don't break it down. I'm like, you give me this and you will leave with a record. And then I do the finagling myself where nobody, the the band just knows they paid X amount of dollars and that's what they had to pay. And then you call in favors, give favors back later. I loan a lot of gear out, but then I turn around and go, Hey man, With the people that want to play ball, there's that hostility, not hostility, but a territorial thing, too. A lot of people are very territorial. It's the same mentality where I don't want to show this kid how to mic a drum set because he might take my gig. What? Okay, (laughs) what if someone never showed you how to mic a drum set, fool? You wouldn't be here right now, you know? So you got to get a group of people that are going to work with each other. I don't have a problem loaning my gear to people. I don't need to rent it. I usually go, you don't have to pay me, and they usually pay me anyway.
1: When I don't want to. It's like, no, dude. No, but it is nice when you do something, you're like, I nah, don't worry about it. And then that comes back with favors and when you least expect it.
0: Yeah. I just always add that what we used to do when we let someone ride our BMX bike. If you bend, you spend. So you break the shit, you're going to buy me another one to fix it. But other than
1: that, <laughs> have at it. <laughs> oh, man. I- I'm learning some new phrases. This is good. Well, we're almost out of time. I wanted to ask, work-life balance, managing relationships, managing people outside of the recording world, and keeping everybody happy, including yourself. What are your thoughts there? Wow,
0: I'm terrible at all that because I'm a workaholic, OCD. If I get zoned in on something, nothing else exists. I've ruined a lot of relationships. I'm in one now that I'm really trying to focus on not doing that, and it's it's hard, but you have to pull yourself out of the studio and realize, you know, you have a daughter, you have a girlfriend or a wife, you have family that you you may not want to go on that obligation or vacation, obligated vacation, but once you're there, you have a blast. Yeah, the obligation. You don't know about that, man? Obligation. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But it's great. All of a sudden, you're sitting around going, how much of an asshole am I? I didn't want to come, and now I'm having a great time. You just got to get out of the studio and, and pay attention To other people's needs you know your loved ones yeah forget everybody else oh man
1: (laughs) when my wife would book vacations or okay i booked the plane tickets we're leaving on this day the stress level inside me would just start to rise and i'd and i'd get really anxious up until the time we left and once we left i was fine but it was like okay did i take care of this did i send this mix did i do this or the hard drives backed up okay (laughs) okay now we can go
0: well, I missed a lot of my kids events. I missed a lot of weddings. I missed a lot of a lot of funerals, but those don't matter cuz they didn't know, but you know. You yeah. <laughs> know, <laughs> yeah, I missed a lot of stuff when I was younger and I'm not missing things anymore. And deadlines, I have self-sacrificed so much only to see the deadline get moved. You matter. Your life matters. Your people around you matter, so don't kill yourself trying to do something
1: that's impossible. Here here, I'm in total agreement there. Pay attention to those around you because life is just too short
0: oh, I can't pay my daughter to go to dinner with me now. And, you know, it's like, come on, please. Let's go out to eat. And before it was like, I got to work just after this. Five more minutes. Five minutes. There's nothing, no such thing as five minutes in the studio. There is no five minutes in the studio. I refuse to have clocks or anything around me. I even put a piece of tape over the little Apple clock up in the upper right-hand corner. I don't want to see that.
1: (laughs) Time is a relative (laughs) concert. Some people put tape on their cameras. You put tape on the, the clock. Yeah,
0: time is not for me, man. I just do it until I can't or it's done.
1: So do you maintain a website at all?
0: Yeah, I do. steeshady.com. I just started doing all that. I've been very invisible for over two decades. I mean, I think. I don't know. People knew me in Nashville. I don't know. I don't keep up with stuff. Yes, I have a website. My girlfriend made me start doing Instagram, Steve shady 50 at whatever, at Steve shady 50 however that works, because she felt compelled to let everyone know I was 50.
1: I don't know what's up with that.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, that's not going to work next year. I know.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll be so. 50 this year, so maybe I should start using that at Matt Boudreau 50. It's
0: the new 30, man. I'm having a blast at 51. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel 50.
1: I don't feel tardy. I know. <laughs> I, that's When you said that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I don't feel tardy. <laughs> that's a Van Halen reference for you youngsters.
0: Yeah, I was in with a band which who shall remain nameless that did not know who Led Zeppelin was, and I thought they were joking, and then I realized they're not joking. Okay, whatever, moving on. <laughs> wow. it's okay. that, That's how you know you're old. You hear shit in the elevator that you used to jam out to in your car on 11, and kids don't know who your bands are.
1: Yeah, when they're playing Metallica Muzak in the uh, elevator, you know there's a problem.
0: That's hilarious. I've heard some stuff in the grocery store. I've yet to hear Metallica, but I'm sure it's coming.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I haven't heard it, but it, it probably is not too far uh, away. So <laughs> Metallizak. Meta- music. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is fantastic. Metallizac and Objication, not Objication. Uh, obligation. Obligation. An obli-
0: Sorry. Yeah. Wow. An obligated vacation.
1: Well, I've, new, I've learned some new phrases today and some new concepts there. But Steve, really great to talk to you. This, is, this has been enjoyable, and I'm glad we can make this happen. I know that you've been busy, so I appreciate you squeezing me in here. Yeah. Man, what a time you've had, and I look forward to seeing what you come up with in the future and who you work with and projects we get to hear.
0: All right. Well, just edit me and make me sound like a super genius. Me and Wiley e. Coyote. Super genius. Super genius. <laughs> yes.
1: All right, Steve. Well, great to talk to you, man. Take care. And we'll put some links to your social media stuff in the show notes and audience. You can check Steve out there. So thank you again, Steve. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Steve Shady here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me today. I certainly appreciate it. want to make sure and thank everybody that helped out with the show. And that includes Anne-Marie Plough on the editing, Cliff Truesdale on the Working Class Audio theme music, and Mr. Chuck Smith with that wonderful voice there at the top of the show. Keep tuning in each week. Head on over to workingclassaudio.com. Check things out. Sign up on our email list so you can stay on top of the shows that we're doing. And until then, take care.